Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show, your place to learn how to make marketing, money, and mindset your superpowers. Because the world needs more women taking up more space. And together, we can do this through growing our businesses, our platforms, and our communities. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, a business coach and speaker based in Melbourne, Australia. Twice a week, you'll hear honest, insightful conversations with my guests, along with a dose of real talk from me. Come and say hi over on Instagram at Emily Osmond. And now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have something a little different for you. If you love tuning in and listening in to conversations that sound a little bit more like just two friends chatting away, then you're going to love this episode because that's exactly what it is. I sat down with my good friend, Melanie Miller of The Profit Lovers, and she actually interviewed me for her podcast. She asked me about how I create what she calls a really warm feel to my brand, how to go about attracting your ideal customers, and really just the two things that really matter. I share these, those focuses when it comes to creating a beautiful, incredible customer experience and the way that I approach this in everything that I do. And we also end up the chat going like a little bit more personal into my approach to life and business and why that is. So I hope that you adore this chat. It was just so special to click record on a conversation with Mel. And uh, if you don't already, head over and subscribe to her podcast called The Profit Lovers. Now, without further ado, allow me to introduce you. I normally say at this point, allow me to introduce you, but... Just keep listening and enjoy this conversation. All right. Are you ready to eavesdrop in on my conversation about creating warmth in your business with Emily Osmond? This is all about really understanding who your target market is. Emily used breakfast cereal to show her audience how much she loves and cares about them breakfast cereal. If you haven't heard of Emily before, she runs the Modern Marketing Collective. She also coaches business owners and she has one of the most popular podcasts for women in business, which is the Emily Osmond Show. I'll make sure all of this is linked so you can go and check it out. It's a really, really good listen. She also happens to be one of my very dear friends and one of my business confidants. Something I greatly admire in Emily is how warm her business is. There is a warmth to her community and a warmth to her messaging and her approach. And while I do try to emulate that, I don't always feel like the profit lovers is like as warm as I would like it to be. Now, part of that is me because I'm a little blunt, but I do want all of my profit lovers to really feel like I'm embracing them in a big profit loving hug. So I asked Em for advice. Now have a listen. Well, Emily, I'm so excited that you are my first interview on the podcast. I chose you specifically because I'm like, who will be the most forgiving if I muff this up? (laughs) Well, yes, you said, look, I'm just warning you, this could go pear-shaped. And I'm like, that is my speciality. So I can definitely roll with that. All right, I'm going to get straight into some questions for you. As you know, today's podcast is about all of the benefits of knowing and understanding who your target audience are above and beyond 
the very, very bland, what you know, gender do they identify as? What age group are they in? So can you tell me a little bit about how did you find who your target audience is? Yeah, for sure. So I really found mine and got more specific on it by doing work, working for people, working for clients. I had a bit of an idea when I started out. I've always really, really cared about small business owners and been really just interested in how they do small business. And so when I started out and and left my job and went out on my own, I knew that I wanted to work with small business owners. But I guess within those, there's a whole lot of different businesses Mm -hmm. and a whole lot of different approaches to small business. So this is what I really kind of have got clearer on over time. And the way that I see it is like our ideal customers it's really important that we actually care about them being better off with what we have to offer, whether products, services, programs. I didn't work with many, but I did work with a few businesses that really what they cared about was themselves, the business owners. I didn't really care about their customers. That's such an interesting Mm -hmm. distinction now. And I feel like I can see so many of my clients and what you're saying in that they actually care. Now that's not to say that you can't be really, really interested and invested in what the outcome is for a customer or client. And like, I just really like the people that I get to work with. I enjoy working with them for them. And yeah, I feel rewarded and fulfilled when I'm helping people that care about their work and care about the customers. And like you said, You can't do that without caring also about making money because otherwise it would just be a hobby. But there is, I I definitely noticed for me, like I just didn't feel fulfilled or feel inspired or really wanted to do work for people that it was almost like, let's just see how much money we can make here. And if people have to get screwed or whatever. Yeah. I think that's why I I work mainly with women. Not saying that all men are like, screw you. But there is a difference between how women approach business. Yeah. And that's why your work is so important as well, Mel, that you help people that do really, really care about the the outcomes of what they do and the people that they work with to make sure that they are being just as rewarded as well and that they are making great money, which is so important. That's a really good point about you've got to work with people before you know exactly who you want to work with. Yeah. In the beginning, yeah. you almost need to take a wide range and then hone your interest from them. I had an episode a few weeks back, which was about why I don't really like business plans. It's not even why I don't really like business plans. It's why I hate business plans. (laughs) They are pretty useless when you're starting out in business and target audience. Thank you for saying this because, yeah, I'm like, guys, just get going. Figure Start, it out. Yes. You learn, it. You learn you from it doing, yeah. not from planning, unfortunately. Yeah. And business plans, that whole section about who's your target audience. It mm. is so bland. It is so they're yeah. a female between the age of 25 yeah. and 32 and they're university yeah. educated. And that doesn't actually really tell you anything intimately yeah. about what drives them or what keeps them up at night or anything like that. Yeah. The doing is how you figure that out. Absolutely. And what I focus on and what I teach is that look at and understand really intimately the challenges of your customers and the desires 
And everything really comes back to them. Like it's kind of irrelevant in a way, like unless you're running Facebook ads or whatever around the the specific age, even the gender, you know, like it's just really different people's values and also, yeah, the challenges and the desires, the challenges, the pain points, the things that they are struggling with or the things that they maybe kind of have got wrong or don't understand. And then what they really want, what they dare to think they could have, what would just bring a bit more joy to the day. There's all different scales. It doesn't mean that if you sell earrings versus if you sell a whole financial plan or something like that, that one is better than the other. There's just all different levels of the challenges and the desires that we can help meet for our customers. Yeah. When you get into that, it just changes everything too, right? Because you get to work with people you really enjoy working with. When you know that and you start using their language and their pain points, you attract the right person that it's so, so important to know all of this about your audience. This is what then becomes your marketing as well. Like you said, it's all then turns into your messaging. Yeah. When you nail that, you get the right person. You also get the best possible outcomes. When you get the best possible outcomes, you get the best possible testimonials. And then it's all a lovely, big, profitable money cycle. Uh, Next question for you is something that I feel like a lot of people are missing in their marketing, which is that gap between what people want but what you know they need. Can you talk a little bit about what you've identified that people think they want from you, yet what they actually need Mm. and what you serve up for them? Yeah, absolutely. What I give people, what I teach people is ultimately how to do marketing that is strategic, that drives actual sales for their business. Yeah. However, what a lot of people want And what sounds a bit more maybe sexy and like, oh, yeah, that sounds a bit more fun is how to create Instagram reels or how to get more followers. Yeah, right. And thinking that if they can do these, then the clients will come. Sales will follow, which isn't Mm. you. The content's got to be the right content and the messaging's got to be the right messaging. Yeah. Like seriously, Instagram reels, great. But how much time are you spending doing them? Is it actually the right type of content for your audience? Like I see a lot of people doing them now and I'm like, I just probably wouldn't book you because to me I'm seeing an Instagram reel that is kind of pretty silly and, yes, maybe it's quite entertaining and funny, but, like, I don't really see what values you have as a business through this reel. I'm not I did anything. not know this conversation was going in this direction. I am <laughs> loving you sick right now because I feel exactly the same. I thought it was because yeah. I'm old. Why are perfectly expert level people dancing on reels? I don't get this. Yeah. I think it's because they feel like they have to. Yeah. They feel like this is what they have to do. And also, and this is what my clients know that I say a lot, like we got to do the hard stuff, not the fun stuff. And yeah, there's yes. time for some fun stuff, but you got to prioritize the harder stuff. Ooh, which is the like unsexy stuff. Reels, the unsexy stuff. You don't always get and to like, be sexy. <laughs> someone told me the other day, oh my gosh, I just did my first one. Like it took me all day, but I'm so proud. I'm like, oh no, like that day that you could have done more strategic work, like actually gone out and put yourself out in front of clients, reach out to them, like all these things versus what we're kind of believed is a strategy when really it's just we're doing something without a strategy. Yeah. People are turning up to get more 
followers or likers or whatever yes. and it's the doing something but what's the point yeah. if it doesn't lead to more sales and coming back to what, what you asked me like what I what I you know see people kind of wanting is almost that they or feeling like they need is to do more marketing and really what I teach them is it's almost less marketing but just with oh, a strategy yes. behind yes. it yeah. So they free up their time. They're not wasting time doing stuff that doesn't actually matter. They can just simplify things and see more results. And someone said to me the other day, she was grappling with, she's like, Emily, but I know that my clients, they really like, they need this and they need this and I need this. And I said, but they have to actually feel that need. Like I know that you want it for them and you think they need it. But if that problem isn't a big enough problem for them, then they're not going to buy what you have to offer. And either you have to change what you have to offer or often it's actually selling the same thing, but changing how we market it and change how we package it yes. and describe it and message it. Yes. Yeah. So, so they're like, oh, yes, I do need that. I want that. I 100% agree. If I was just to sell and I tried to do this and it failed miserably, <laughs> come to me and I will show you how to do a cash flow forecast. There is there <laughs> yeah. are very few women in business that are like, yeah, Melanie, please inflict that kind of pain on me. People don't want that. It's that really understanding what is it that they want and what is that pain point. I want them to be financially successful because I don't want them to go through a divorce and be devastated. I don't want them to lose a partner and be devastated. I don't want them to get diagnosed with a critical illness and be devastated, but I can't want that for them. And trying to sell, you need a cash flow forecast. Come and buy this cash flow forecast. I'll help you create one. Like, and obviously you found ways to speak around this, but ultimately deliver the cash flow yeah, forecast. Yeah, you get, you get the way. cash flow forecast <laughs> and you will enjoy it. You will like it, you will do it, and you will enjoy it and you will see the value. But you're right, there is nowhere exactly. in my marketing that says, we're going to do a cash flow forecast together. And there's nowhere in my marketing that says we're going to do a cash flow forecast in case someone you love dies, because that's not encouraging anybody to want to get intimate with their numbers, right? Okay. Next question for you is you have this warmth in your marketing that I keep telling you that I lust after. Every time we talk, I'm like, Emily, why does your business feel warm and mine feels cold? Tell me how you've crafted that lovely warmth that you have in your business. How do you like bring that into the customer journey and customer experience? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few things here. And I really do think the first part of it is that I do just love the people that I serve. And that makes me a different person versus if I didn't really care about my audience thing is starting with like, I actually really love like the conversations, interaction. Also, I love my work and the topic that I talk about. So that's kind of the starting point I think for people is like, if you don't really care about your audience or you don't really care about your work, like it's not really going to be a great customer. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not invested in the outcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that would be the first thing. And then secondly, what I do is I think about how I want people to feel. And like, I didn't even realize that I was doing this, but someone asked me around my retreats and how I plan them. And I, I kind of realized, well, actually I start off with and, and really think quite deeply about like, how do I want people to feel? But let's do an example. So at my retreats, I could have had a box of cereal that people help themselves to for breakfast. But the way I wanted people to feel at that retreat was like absolutely nurtured. 
they were kind of being taken care of because like women who takes care of women really nobody yeah and so for them to feel special and nurtured and taken care of and just like and also that like some little moments of like magic and amazement and and wow and so for that first retreat you probably didn't want to look at the profit and loss smell no (laughs) that wasn't too bad but I spent I invested a lot in the catering. And so for the breakfast, there was this incredible spread set up where I hired this caterer, but she was actually more than a caterer. She was also a food stylist. And so we had some beautiful local native flowers. We had like, I don't even know, was it like a guava cut open, which was just amazing. She baked some banana bread. She made some spreads. And just like that, the feeling that that then brought. It's such a little thing, right? It's, Mm. it's such a little thing. That's such a big thing. Because nobody looks at it and says, Emily took the cereal out of the box. They walk away saying, I feel so good. Do you know, that's, that's what that customer experience is. It's not the, the cereal wasn't in the box. It's, I just feel like every part of this was a wonderful experience. (laughs) So interesting. And I stepped through it in my head each moment of the retreat or the event or whatever it is, I really kind of step through it and think, just those different moments, what's going to be happening, what do people need, what will make people feel really great. So that's what I do. But the other thing is as well, like putting aside events, which are those, which really are experiences, is that I also think about this when I'm recording my podcast and when I'm writing my content, social media posts, when I'm putting together my programs, is also thinking like, how do I want that my my students or my audience to feel when they might be reading this or watching this or listening to this? And this is the thing, Mel, like so many people teach marketing, so many people teach finance, (laughs) but what really builds that connection with our audience? And I guess maybe that spreads that sense of warmth is when we can share things beyond just the how-tos and information and actually deliver it in a way that perhaps is like, hey, I get it because I was there. Like I so understand and I see my customers do this the whole time. And when we kind of make it a really inclusive conversation, and that really is what we can do in our superpower as small business owners is to make it such an inclusive conversation with our audience versus just broadcasting a message, which was old school marketing and what a lot of corporates have to do because they can't have these these more discussions intimate and conversations yeah, yeah intimate for sure and also personal or professional experiences through their marketing this is what helps us create that that real sense of connection i always want people to feel like they're not the only one with for instance a question that they might think is yeah. a silly or a stupid question i want it them never to feel like when I'm talking about cash flow forecasting, that they're all alone in not knowing or understanding what this is. But I don't put nearly enough effort into how I could communicate that better. What would be a change or a new thing that you would do? Can you? Yeah, straight away, one thing I can think of is sharing more about what questions I would expect people to have that would be very common yeah. that they probably think they're the only one who doesn't know. If I can set a scene where I let people know, hey, these are the things that you shouldn't be expected to know. It's so true. And like, this is what I felt in the past, so foolish or ignorant and just like I'm missing something around the numbers and the finances. But it's like you said, just because we start a business or we register for an ABN doesn't mean that we suddenly get just dropped into our brain all the knowledge of how to do the finance. 
answers just doesn't happen. And so for you to share like, hey, I get it. I mean, I can literally ask people, what's the dumbest question you think you have about this topic? And then share it and say, this is why it's not the dumbest question. That's um, such a good point. I love it. All right. And then how's that going to make your audience feel like wait included and really quite safe. Yeah. Yeah. Safe, safe, included, heard. I find that a lot of my audience feel very, in general, unheard in life. And that is a way to make them feel heard as well, right? Isn't it? I think our audiences, we've talked about this, are quite similar, but I think my audience is slightly older than yours being that they have kids and they've... Oh, having said that, most of my audience probably have kids or are planning. I'm probably at that stage where they're just re-entering the workforce or re-entering business or kind of taking business to that next level because kids are now at school and things are feeling a little bit settled. I feel like there's probably like a two to three year kind of gap between you and me, which is perfect. But they do often feel like nobody notices them. My onboarding with Members Club, when I bring somebody new in, they fill out a questionnaire and I wanted to make sure that people didn't feel embarrassed or overwhelmed or kind of put out there if I shared their successes. And so there's a question, can I publicly celebrate you or would you prefer to celebrate in private? Not one person has asked to celebrate in private. Everybody is like, please celebrate me. And I'm like, that is so interesting because I would say that on average, the people that I attract are very quiet about their success. They're not the people who are out there necessarily, you know, talking about how wonderful their businesses are, but a lot of them are turning over hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not millions, but they don't know they're successful because they tend to be introverts like me. They don't talk to a lot of people, but they also, I'm noticing, would love somebody to celebrate them and they're not being heard. All right, to finish up, I want to ask you about what you think your business superpower is. Yeah, I believe that it is keeping going. So I wouldn't say that I've had like crazy successful, huge launches, moments, achievements, but I feel successful and I have reached various markers that indicate some level of success. But the thing is that I believe what has led me to these is that I just keep going so I can see a possibility and I take action. But then when I don't get the results, for some reason, I'm silly enough to keep going. (laughs) Even when I'm like, oh, that didn't work out or, okay, yeah, I didn't get the results that I wanted there or I feel like I I don't even know what I'm doing. But I, I think that what my superpower is is the ability to keep going, even though I, maybe it doesn't necessarily make sense. (laughs) Resilience. And I think like just eternal optimism. You are a very optimistic person. (laughs) Em and I had a conversation one day and then I had to send her an email and say, really sorry that I was like such a Debbie Downer. I got off it and I was like, how did she tolerate me? Because every, everything we talked about, I was like, no, that won't work for me. No, I was like the worst (laughs) version of of the client that I hate working with. And, And you were so lightened. 
we could think about it this way. We could think about it this but way. Like, seriously. <laughs> but like how lucky are we? Like how amazing is life? Like I just think there's so much opportunity, so much potential. And yeah, it's just like, oh, I just love it. And I think something doesn't work, but we just keep trying something different or try it again, actually, is what I think. Like don't always switch around. Just be like, awesome. Didn't quite get the result I wanted there. Let's like just take a look what I did, maybe tweak a couple of things and just keep doing it. (laughs) I love your optimism. And once again, this is not on my list of questions I sent Emily to discuss. (laughs) Going totally off topic here. But you and I have talked about you know, our upbringings, our childhoods, and do you know our struggles that we've had? When I first met you, I would see your gorgeous, shining, optimistic face. And I would make this very, very wrong assumption that Emily's had a really lovely, easy life. And that's actually not true. You have had some of the worst trauma that I could ever imagine for somebody. And, you know, when you were telling me your story, I was like, heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And yet you are still so incredibly optimistic and such a bright, you know, lovely soul. Do you know, I literally was thinking the same thing when you sent me through these questions. I was thinking about what is my response going to be with what I think my superpower is. And then I started thinking around how, yeah, you and I have both had quite significant trauma in our past that obviously doesn't just happen in the past. It stays with us. But I think as well, like I spent 10 years being depressed and not really seeing the point and feeling like I did, I wasn't worth anything and not wanting to leave the house. Many times I just felt like I can't bear people looking at me. It was that yeah. bad. I just felt totally disgusting and, and horrible and just, yeah. So I think when things turned around, uh, I just felt like, oh my gosh, like life, life can be so mm-hmm. good, especially like in Australia, come on, like there's just such opportunities and it's not the same for everyone. And I am extremely privileged yeah. as well. And yeah. I intend to use that and make the most of that to make the changes that I care about and hopefully use my platform for people that perhaps haven't had the same opportunities or privilege that I have. Yeah. And wow, like that is what inspires and motivates. And I think maybe that day... <laughs> You were like, I don't know, dwelling, but like time for complaining, (laughs) like just being like, this isn't going to work, complaining, being negative, like that's a choice. And then it is. And you just, you taught me a lesson that day because it wasn't until later that afternoon, because I don't think I emailed you until like maybe the next day, but it wasn't until later that afternoon and I was in the kitchen and I thought about the language that I had used. Not that I was like dropping F-bombs or C-words, but, you know, I do tend to do that anyway. But the language I was using in that it was every suggestion or idea that you gave me got an immediate pushback. And I thought, I don't ever want to be that person. I do not want to be that person. I closed down all of the good ideas that you were giving me and then got off the call and, you know, was negative all afternoon and then felt bad about myself. I felt like I'd really let myself down. Like, I don't want to be that person. And then you got the email with obviously my apology. And then- I don't even remember, like, I don't even really remember an apology, but I think you were just like, yes, I've been thinking. Did I not apologize? Maybe I can oh, do should, some I of those apologize. things. Did no, I, I don't think you should have. There was no need to. <laughs> this is what, but this is what, why we need supporters and why yeah. we need people to speak to, because we get in our own heads Yeah, and like I get in my own head and it just goes round and round and I'm so negative and I'm so horrible to myself. It happens. It happens. You do need then, someone to help you stop inflicting the self pain, right? Well, my darling, it has been uh, 
wonderful to talk to you. Thank you for being my very first guest. I have loved talking to you. I love your openness. I didn't even know how we kind of first ended up in each other's world. Did I ask to be on your podcast? Think, yes, I think that's what it was. I think that's what it was. And I was checking you out. I'm like, how, how do I not know you? Oh my God. And then I think I was like, I really enjoyed that conversation on my podcast. And also you just brought so much value, which I just really respected. And then I think thing I might have after that asked you if you wanted to do a guest training in my program That's which right. by the way is still one of the most loved most raved about trainings because again That's it just brought right. so much value and then I think we kind of stayed in touch and then I think actually when COVID happened you came back on the podcast and again just shared such great practical information resources yes support. that's it I did come back and on then with, I think yeah. it was like let's talk more because I really enjoy talking with you. let's just be friends now <laughs> well I'm so glad that happened we're um definitely in each other's lives for a bigger purpose you know I think when we were talking yeah. about like that trauma aspect that took us a year to get there yeah. I think you know I'm not a woo-woo person yeah. but I do think <laughs> that you attract people for a certain reason thank you so much yeah. now Em where do people go to find you podcast. I have a podcast, Emily Osmond Show. It's pretty easy. Just put my name most places. So in your podcast app and you'll find my show. And obviously you've been on their mail, which is brilliant. Mm -hmm. You can find me on Instagram at Emily Osmond. So come say hi. I always love it when people say they've listened to an episode. If you, you know, obviously you've listened to this one because we're at the end now. So maybe send me a message or take a screenshot and tag Mel and I. That would be awesome. And then if you want to work with me, learn from me, you can go to my website, just go emilyosmond.com forward slash free. And that's where I have some free masterclasses. Amazing. Thank you so much, Em. This episode is brought to you by my free online masterclass, why your marketing isn't making you sales and what to do about it. You'll learn how to get heard and seen in this noisy online world and stop being invisible. How to fill your audience with the right people. People who will love your content and will actually buy your products, services, or programs. And how to consistently turn your followers into raving customers without being fake or salesy. This free masterclass is perfect if you're about to launch your business or you're a small business owner. Register now at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. That's emilyosmond.com forward slash free. And remember, until next time, connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.